0: It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review of our show. Subscribe on YouTube. Most importantly, help us spread the word about the great stories being shared on our show. My guest today is Aaron Chapman. Aaron is a veteran in the finance industry. After leaving mining, heavy equipment operation, welding, and long haul trucking. Since entering the finance industry, his clientele have ranged from those purchasing their first home, building their dream home, or investing in multiple properties for long-term cash flow. His expertise is in the complicated, presently ranked in the top 1% of an industry of over 300,000 licensed loan officers, closing in excess of 100 transactions per month. Aaron is that battle-worn partner every real estate entrepreneur needs to walk through the tough parts of building a real estate business. Aaron Chapman and Robert discussed working the volatile mortgage industry successfully through 2008 and 2013 and how being a man of his word has led to great success. The biggest transition came when he decided to be authentic and committed to being true to himself and not what the so-called industry pundits said you had to do, look like or act like. We also talk about the Quit Jerking Off initiative and how he's helping men stop wasting their time and focus on what really matters. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. Just looking forward to a great conversation and opportunity to learn and share.
1: Right on. Well, thanks, Robert. I'm always I'm always about the sharing part and definitely the learning because um, I don't know near what I need to know to be successful in this world.
0: <laughs> me neither, buddy. So typically I just let everyone share their own entrepreneurial journey and where they started and, and what they're what they're up to now.
1: So where it started, I mean, if you're talking entrepreneurial, it goes all the way back to to school, right? If you nice. want to get into into high school, I um I I didn't like the way things were going in school. What kid does, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody really enjoys uh, the process uh, of what it is, and especially when you question what is to be learned and what is what are you supposed to do with that information that you're being provided. And it got to the point in high school where it's just like, man, I just I I had zero desire. I even tried. I thought, well, I'll give this whole uh, college credit course thing a a try too, And that just didn't fly for me. What I found, what I was good at was being able to make basically get into doors that were locked. Um, And there was a specific door that was very easy to get into. And this is where it was in the math department where they stored all the tests
0: uh, for, (laughs) for
1: the year. So um i happened to find myself in possession of a code i don't remember how i got it i thought it more had to do with just kind of looking at the keypad and figuring out which one they're hit- hitting the most and figure out the code for the copier uh, and this is back in the early 90s and so i was able to make copies of these tests shrink them down and make deals with people with the test to either uh do my homework or purchase them or other things need to be done There was people that did attendance in the uh and uh, the other students that did attendance in the office where they were able to manipulate my attendance to ensure that I was there. I turned out, it, it you can call it a business, but it really, I was just finding a way out of having to be responsible for what information they were providing me. You now, So I take my homework home. It always just stayed in my truck or wherever. I never did any of it you know, or rarely did any of it. And then I would hand it off to somebody and trade them test answers to, a co- to get them done for me and or copy off somebody, whatever I need to do, right? So I made my way through high school And halfway through my senior year, I found that I had enough credits to be able to leave and go on a work program. Now, I was already working my guts out. You know, we had a cattle ranch that we were running about 500 head of cattle every year, beef cattle. Um, And so I was dealing with that all through high school and then trying to have the, the life of a teenager and play football and all those things. And then went from there to the oil fields of Wyoming, which was a really, really cool endeavor came back, uh, you know, my, my professional life started from there running heavy equipment and driving truck. And then I found myself working in the mines in northern New Mexico. And you can't cheat labor, right? <laughs> you yourself, cannot. Right. And so I figured that that was the kind of world I was going to be in anyway, it was just the labor world. So why did I need all this data? Well, then the opportunity came uh, when I was working in the mines in New Mexico with my dad, which was one of the greatest jobs I've ever had. You know, several hundred feet underground, you're drilling into the rock, you're loading the explosives, you step around the corner, you blow it up, you dig it out, support the ground, do it again. It was great. Um, But then they started shutting down that project. And so they started laying people off. I'm one of those guys that got laid off in the earlier part of the layoffs because I was one of the newer guys on the crew, um, albeit. You know, my dad showed me what we needed to do down there. We're breaking a lot of footage. We're getting more done than most people, but they still played the politics piece of it. And as a result of it, I got let go. So be it. I thought, not a big deal. I got a pretty long resume. I can find a job anywhere. Um, but that wasn't the case. I got back to Arizona, my wife, my infant son, and I was looking for jobs. I couldn't find anything. I kept getting these words overqualified for everything I applied for. I even went to the extent of trying to get a $10 an hour truck driving job hauling a landscape rock right i figured any i mean this is not a job that would be hard to get i should be able to get this one they shot me down for overqualified it's
0: it's interesting how we can be overqualified like how does that even make any sense
1: well it only makes sense now in the form of my business today and in that you know if i'm hiring somebody that has too many qualifications why would they want to stay in the job that i gave them right so which is likely, I would not have wanted to stay in that job forever. But I just needed something, and I, nothing was happening. I remember driving away from that place, literally a broken man. I needed, as I'm driving away, I wiping tears from my face, heading down the street, heading to a grocery store for diapers because my infant son needed new diapers, and we had, uh, we didn't have any money, so I had a, a coupon for free diapers. Hmm. So I'm heading to the store. My gas light comes on in my truck never driven it very long with the gas light so i didn't know how long that was going to last so i pulled up to a gas station that was right outside of a grocery store ran my debit card it was overdrawn account so i had a decline rifled my truck to find some change then i started walking that parking lot now back in the early 90s people still carry change right they still drop change it's you know and gas wasn't five dollars a gallon like mm-hmm. they are today so I was, it was like 80 some cents a gallon i was able to find in a short window of time it felt like a couple hours i have no how, idea how long i was out there but found enough change to get a few gallons of gas went into the grocery store, got the diapers that corresponded with the coupon. As I'm walking out, I saw a familiar face. He asked me how things were, and I shared basically what I'm sharing with you. He invited me. He said, why don't we go to dinner? I'm like, dude, I can't afford dinner. He goes, well, I got a gift certificate to Red Lobster from a client. Let me take you and your wife. So we went, uh, and, and he shared with me about the mortgage industry, which I didn't understand. The only thing I knew about the mortgage industry was watching these these. TV programs as a kid where the old man, the old lady are losing the farm to this thing called a mortgage. And that was a very negative thing to me. So he convinced me to talk to a branch manager for a broker shop. I cut a foot off of my hair. I shaved. My mom bought me some clothes that looked fairly professional. I went and I interviewed with them. They started me as a telemarketer in 1997. So from there, starting as a telemarketer, it's just, you know, getting into business is not an easy thing. It was definitely an up and down thing, a lot more beatings than than wins. But eventually, I mean, here I sit, 24 years later. I'm ranked. Uh, the rankings just came out. I'm ranked number 20 in a business full of 300 plus thousand people for transactions closed in a year. And when you look at the how they how they categorize that, you know, you're supposed to be a sole lend uh, loan, what they call a loan originator, and you're supposed to have your operation staff, and that's it, right? I know several of those guys on that list ahead of me. And they have a bunch of loan originators like me working for them to push them all under their name. This is not their business. Right. So eh, that number is even jerked off a little bit. I'll bet you that that number probably put I could be in the top ten, top five. Who knows? But that's where I'm at today. Right. So it's just a matter of staying with it, doing something that was completely outside of my my purview and then kind of really attacking it from a different angle, not going at it from the standard angle.
0: So let's talk about that. What 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 was your angle? What's what what gives you the, the edge?
1: Well, when you're talking about the lending industry, there's a, there's basically a typical costume, right? And people want, you know, your, the, the, you, it, at worst case, you see a guy in a polo and slacks, right? Um, typically, it's suits, it's, you know, button up shirts, it's that kind of stuff. Um, you'll see uh, their polos and slacks and that kind of thing. And that's how I was for a long time. I just, man, I was lying to people with my appearance. Mm. Well, I started finding myself in in, in August of two thousand eight. Now, I was always dressed that way. I always, you know, was kind of living within that that realm for a long period of time. And then the two thousand eight crash happened. And as I was, uh, it was August eighth of two thousand eight. I'm heading out of town to get a three day weekend. That was a uh, that was a Friday. I was going to get on the on the Harley and just ride. Fifteen minutes into that, I got knocked off my bike at eighty plus miles an hour by a guy, who pushed me into another car. Pretty. Crazy story there. But I've ever been to Arizona in August, it's not a comfortable place to lay on the pavement, but yet that's where I found myself at 1224 in the afternoon. Uh by you know, so I went into that experience. Um, basically 190%, 190 pounds, 7% body fat, best shape of my life, worth on paper, two and a half to three million dollars. Few weeks later, I rolled out of the hospital in a wheelchair at 156 pounds with a net worth of negative 1.5 million. Because of all, you know, because now I had to eat all the debt and every, and I lost everything. So, uh, an interesting start point. But that start point was a great start point in the sense that I got what I, what I look at as a divine gift and an accelerated education. In that I got to really see who I was, and that you know I had to come back from, you know, not only you know had to learn how to walk again. But I also uh, had a memory that lasts only about three minutes. So I had to train all these things back. The best thing that came of it is, you know, right here, I couldn't grow a beard. There was a patch missing right here. I always had a goatee, but at that, I woke up with a full beard. I'm like, I ain't trimming that damn thing till I learned how to walk again, right? So it got to be a couple inches long, and that's where I kept it at from that period on. But I learned a lot about what I need to start be doing doing for myself and started coming back to the industry. And I started kind of tuning out all the bullshit of that everybody's throwing at you, what you need to look like, how you act, I need to talk. Um, and I started kind of leaning a different direction, right? I was always in all black, black shirt, black slacks, that kind of stuff, um black boots, and that was the direction I was going. And then a friend of mine approached me. We were at dinner one night with our spouses, and Uh, And he has a large real estate, uh, I mean, a large insurance firm, which is also a wealth management firm here in Arizona. As we're walking down the street, he goes, hey, dude, I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm like, cool. I mean, how are we going to do that? And he goes, goes, I want you to come aboard my, basically my brand. I'm going to get every real estate contact we have in Arizona. They're going to use you. Goes, but there's one catch. I'm like, well, what's that? Name it. He goes, you got to conform more. I said, well, what does that look like? He goes, you know, shave, you know, buy some suits. He starts telling me what I got to look like. I'm like, you know, change how I talk about this and that. I, you now I had to stop and think for a second. You know, I said, like, dude, I appreciate that. I love you, man. But f you, or f that, one of those two words, something like that. It's like I'm, I can't, I can't do that. I can't compromise me. And then I realized I'm already compromising me. I'm already literally trying to straddle this line of conformity and non-conformity all at the same time. So he really forced me to make a decision on which side I was gonna get. So I decided once well, some I'm going this direction. If I'm not gonna sail on his yacht, right, into these very, very fruitful waters, and I'm gonna go jump on one of the lifeboats and row to row ashore and I go through the jungle and figure out what I'm gonna do. I better just go all in. And so I did. I dumped the slacks, I dumped the button-up shirts, all that stuff. You know, and i I Um, I actually still have like uh, when I go on stage or I did for a long time, you know, the black Dickies button up shirt, jeans, alligator boots, my steel hat and and my beard just keeps going. Right. And that's what you got now. I mean, it's it's like, I'm going to be, they're going to know when they're done, who the hell they just got done seeing talking. Right. They're not going to ever forget the individual they spoke to, not from the information, but who they saw give the information. And that's right and it was a very very risky thing to do because you don't step on a stage or introduce yourself as a real estate investment finance expert and not follow the 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 dress code if you will and just come in with some mediocre bullshit. you better bring it and bring it hard so i had to really understand a lot more about the process than any other lender to be able to pull this off and that's what we've done
0: nice well i love your authenticity so i love the fact that you've got your character i'm hoping that still is uh you know Compensating you for constantly wearing their billboard and uh, <laughs> promoting well,
1: them—they have yet to do that, and I'm thinking that might happen someday. Who knows? It's up to me to get myself in a position where it makes them feel that they need to do that. There you, you go. Know, not not quite there yet, but you know, let's just talk about that for a second, right? The reason this goes on my head is because I believe that the the chainsaw is the most elegant and most powerful and most useful tool ever created, right? It's my favorite of all hand tools, but it's also the most dangerous, right? You use it for a split second incorrectly or you don't give it the proper attention, that some bitch will kill you. So the reason that it goes on my head every morning, you remind me the most elegant, most powerful, most useful tool ever, ever in the history of man is the human mind. Right. But it's also the most dangerous because if you misuse that for a split second, it just doesn't do damage to you. It does damage to everybody around you. You know, it doesn't, it, it's amazing how much time we have to invest in a relationship or an opportunity or a business or everything, but how small the decision is that destroys all of it. Hmm. Right. So we have to be very, very cautious about how we use that tool. So it's a reminder for me every time it
0: goes on my head. Love it. That's awesome. So you mentioned making that authentic switch. And obviously you you came at it from a place of cost, right? There was a cost for being that guy that's not going to conform and not going to fit in. But there has to be a benefit as well. So what's the benefit of getting to be legitimately authentic, authentically Aaron Chapman?
1: The huge benefit is you get to sort through people really, really, really fast, right? They're either going to pause and say, okay, let me let me see why the hell this guy that looks like that is telling me this, or they're going to say, I, I don't deal with people like that. And literally, they're not going to deal with you anyway. What's really funny, it doesn't matter how you dress, how you act, if they're that type of person, that is a deal that's not yours. So I get to sort through them really fast. So there's a lot of time I'm not wasting on people that really I wouldn't get along with anyway. And what's funny is I get along with a lot more people now than I would have otherwise because you're you're just laying it all on the table. There's an authenticity and an honesty that comes out with that. And then you're giving that person the authorization to be authentic and honest with you. And and it's amazing how few chameleons I have to deal with anymore. There's still some of them, right? But they're very, very rare. Where before I was dealing with them all the time constantly people coming in and playing one game and they flip the game on you towards the very end. And it's usually your, at your, um, your loss, right? I remember it was December, 1998. I think it was where I was, I came into the office. If I remember correctly, it was uh, 98. I came into the office on Christmas day, Hmm. meet with a guy and his son about refinancing their house. Well, at the time I was doing two, maybe three transactions a month, right? So that was half of my income right there right? Uh, in that December. So, of course, I went and met with them, right? So we did all the work, processed the transaction, got it to closing, and then I called in to find out where the closing documents were to the title company, and they hadn't been sent back yet. I'm like, where are these at? Said, um, they already came in and signed, but they didn't sign your closing documents. Well, whose did they sign? They explained to me they signed somebody else's closing documents, so I called them up. So, dude, what the hell? Well, somebody else gave us a better deal. The better deal was an eighth of a percent interest rate. i it's like, you didn't think to tell me about this. We just went all this process for no reason. Did I met with you on Christmas? He's like, nothing personal, just business, man. I'm like that. And that word, that, that phrase has haunted me more than once. And, you know, now I've learned you just, you don't, you don't compromise yourself for somebody else because nine times out of 10, when they're asking you to compromise yourself, they're going to compromise you anyway.
0: Business is personal. It's very personal
1: is my belief. In fact, I've done presentations on this. I put this. I've got a couple, you know, some books I'm working on that it's, it, it, this is going to make it into it. Them is those as well that I believe the reason that's used is because there's no there's no combination of words in the English language you can string together to 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 really justify the chicken shit that's about to go down. And that's why I think people even use it because they have no way of being able to explain or justify what they're about to do in any other manner.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just bullshit. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there (laughs) like that's, You know, I sacrificed a day, the most important day of a family's life to to do this business deal with you. And and you're going to bail on me over an eighth of a percent and not have the nerve to say, hey, I'm not going to do the deal. Like, yeah, not have the guts to say at least own it. it.
1: Yeah. At least own up to it and not use such a bullshit phrase. And it's been used more than once in my, my career by other people. I do, I do my best to never use that, that phrase. That doesn't mean I haven't used it before. I don't remember the times if I, if I did or did not use it, but I do now because of the effect that it's had, I will not use it uh, because I believe that I I want to be a better person than that.
0: Absolutely. My business is me and my, my reputation and, you know, my brand. I mean, I, you know, i am my brand i have a company name but the truth is it's it represents me and i represent it and so yeah business business for me is very personal and so it's it's everything and i know that that's that's your character as well so let's talk about 2008 obviously starting all over what i mean it takes a lot to stay in the mortgage industry past you know into 2009 and and starting over and and digging out of of a of a of a pretty big pit. And so let, let's talk about that move. Obviously you made some personal choices to, to be yourself, to be authentic. You know, what, what did you do? What kept you, what, what kept you going to, to dig out of that?
1: Well, I had to weigh out what options I have. And I believed I didn't have really any, I mean, I go <laughs> back to the other stuff that I was doing, but those were hurting industries too, right? There wasn't an industry that wasn't impacted negatively during that time frame, Right. So I might as well stuck with, what. and, and I remember a mentor of mine earlier, few years before told me you stick with what got you there Mm -hmm. well if it got me to that point where i had that positive net worth none of the other things i did before would have got me there so this is the only thing that got me there so i need to stick with that but what aspect of it i did not know and that was where you know, I was working for Countrywide Home Loans at the time. Phenomenal company. Loved them. I don't I can't get into the details of what really, really happened there. But I believe all the stuff that we hear about their involvement in the crash is complete bullshit. Right. There is some things that they chose to do, but they weren't right. But they, nobody did it right. Right. They were honestly a target. There was the largest. It was a single guy that started his company in Hell's Kitchen, in his kitchen with a loan from Bank of America. For I don't know what it was, like $60,000, $100,000 or something like that. And he became the largest financial entity on the planet. You can't tell me that all the banking uh, let's call it the banking cartel if you will weren't pissed at him right you don't have a guy like that come and thumb his nose at you and say i'm going to do it my way and then they let you win it doesn't happen that way right and then we also know you know just from what we know of 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 people in leadership of any sort you never let a crisis go to waste so look at this that's big crisis that hit the whole market then what do they do they take advantage of the opportunity so bank of america took over so when I came back, I came back to work for Bank of America. And it was like serving time for something I didn't do. <laughs> uh, so I found my way out of there, went to another organization. And it just so happened that we I had gotten a new lead for a client that wanted to buy a loan, buy a house using an FHA loan. And the seller had just purchased the house. So there was this thing that they called an FHA flip. I mean, you couldn't buy something that person owned for less than, I think, 90 days, if I remember correctly, or is it 30 days? i It's a long time. Um, so I happened to go to a place where they were going to allow for that. So I was going to close that deal. Well, I got a call from a person at my old B of A office saying she just got one of those deals. Would I be interested in taking it? Could I do it? So yeah, send it on. I can do that deal. And so I called the seller it just so happened to be the same seller on both deals. So I said, Hey, I got these two contracts. I'm going to be working on these for your client, for your, your buyers. And they said, well, can you do these FHA flip deals? I'm like, yes i can say everybody says they can and not a single person's ever delivered on we will we'll be prepared to rewrite the contract in whatever days just like everybody else well i closed those deals well, they called me up says you need to come to our office so i went to their office i sat down with them saying what do we got to do to ensure every one of our clients call you i'm like whatever you <laughs> want to do i'm like there's you can direct them all you want and so we made a deal and they started sending me transactions and then they had investors coming in from all over the country to buy houses from them in the state of Arizona because the prices were so awesome and the rents were so good. And next thing you know, I'm doing all these deals. And then those people moved from Arizona to Indiana, from Indiana to Texas, from Texas to to Tennessee, and it just kept going, right, and spreading across the country. So I just stayed with them. It was not easy. It was a tough, tough business to do. And then I got a processor that I had. You know, she came with me from that place to the next place to the next place, and we kept building our business together. It was just me and her starting it out. That we hired another person. I merged my business with somebody else at a, one of my biggest competitors who in six months pulled that bullshit line of nothing personal, just business on me and decided to separate the partnership because he was going very well. And he thought, wait a minute, this is all in my name. I could take the database. He did that. My guy, nobody hears from him anymore. He completely obliterated his business in the process of playing the nothing personal game and mine continued to grow. And so... You know, learning from those things and growing and growing and growing. Now I have thirty-two staff members. We do fifteen or thirteen hundred transactions a year, and it's it's an amazing business.
0: Absolutely. Well, so so let's talk about character and the and the value of character. Obviously, <laughs> I think you know character matters, and your ability to say, "Well, I can close that," and then being able to close it, obviously, has generated. Uh, you know, a referral base that that trusts you and then and then multiplied.
1: Well, you have to, when you're talking about character, you have to commit to things and you have to, you know, and let me just add another story, right? I mean, it's, we already know wh- why the beard exists, right? <laughs> but I've always kept it fairly, fairly trimmed out. And then in 2000, I'd like to say 16 or 17, I can't remember precisely, but I was at this event in, uh, in Tampa, Florida. And a guy walks up to me and he comments, he goes, my beard was longer than yours yesterday. I said, well, mine was longer than yes yesterday. I trained it to come to the meeting. I said, well, here's the deal. I won't trim it till I see you again. Well, I was seeing that guy every quarter. <laughs> I haven't seen him in five years. <laughs> so, yeah, and you can see how long this thing is getting. It's not, it's not awesome to have a beard this long. The damn thing gets into everything. You know, you're, you roll over on it in the middle of the night. It's not, but, you know, I need to trim it back at least six eight, six, eight inches, at least maybe even a foot just to make it manageable. But what I tell everybody is if you make a commitment, you wear the damn thing on your face, no matter how uncomfortable it is, you honor the commitment that you made, and that's where we're at right now. I'm trying to honor every commitment that I make to people. The thing that you have to do is you have to be cautious of the commit, your commitments you're making. Don't do anything stupid that's going to put yourself in jeopardy. right mm-hmm. You never make a commitment that's going to that's going to risk your one, your integrity to your your freedom and your marriage. Those are the commitments you got to be careful on. Right, and I think we're all we're all presented with something along those lines very, very often. Hmm. But it's your internal character that that will help guide you through that and help you to avoid making a decision or making a statement or doing something that's going to put you in a position to have to actually uh, adjust your your level of commitment.
0: Oh, those are great, great commitments to honor. Um will we will you be seeing this friend in tampa or or i'm
1: so hoping sometime the guy moved to i think north or south carolina i'm gonna have to just go to his house down on the front porch. <laughs> the porch. nice but i'm so, not gonna shave it off at all right it's gonna it's now part of the brand it's still gonna have the, i gotta have the braid go down at least at least you know the, the length of my hand just the, not
0: as just not as far as it gets in the soup
1: right <laughs> well, I mean, as it is right now, dude, I put my put my belt on the damn thing. i, I got to pull it away so it doesn't get caught up in the buckle. It's that <laughs> maddening.
0: That's awesome. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noel L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R 2.0 dream.com that's empower number two dream.com if you enjoy the show please like and subscribe leave a review tell your friends welcome back let's get back to more greatness
1: we know where those boundaries are a person can feel it right you can you be standing in a situation having a conversation it's pretty easy to determine that there's a boundary getting stepped across so you have to know where those are and you have to decide whether or not you're willing to step across it. And it, I think a person needs to uh, need to needs to set that up well in advance. Um, very, very well in advance. You also need to be working on whatever it is that you need to have a commitment towards. You've got to be working on actively building up that um, that alignment. Right. Whether mm-hmm. it's your marriage. Let's, let's just say it's your marriage. You, if, if, if you're not working on that you're not fostering a marriage you're not communicating within the marriage you're not you're not trying to make that a priority in your life then why would you ever even have a boundary hmm. right? um, yeah, I think that's one of the big problems that we have in in most people's marriages and uh, mine included you know 2004 we had a, a major issue within it uh, we split up in 2004 for a year and it's because we allowed certain things to happen because our communication skills sucked I look at I look at your uh, a marriage like a, a pitcher full of water you can consume a pitcher of water every single day but comes to a point, if you're not consuming enough, that thing's gonna overfill and it's gonna to continue to keep overfilling. And anything be long, you're gonna be swimming in a lake. You have to actually exit the lake to deal with all the damn to deal with it and let it dry up. And that's where we were at. Was it right? I can't say that it was right, but was it wrong? I can't say it was wrong either, because it benefited us significantly um, to go through that experience. But I wish we didn't have to go through that
0: experience. Yeah,
1: but life is nothing but experience. You've gotta take it on the chin quite often and know where, where things work and where it doesn't.
0: It's true but but the truth is if you're not working on on the relationship you're not honoring the commitment before the temptation happens before the boundary comes up when the boundary comes up you you're going to say well that boundary doesn't matter because because the whole you know this whole thing back there. There's whatever. I don't even mean, I don't even know what's there, right?
1: Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't even know what you're committing. What your boundary is related to if you don't have anything that you are working on.
0: And and the funny thing when you're working on it, you get to the boundary and you're like, well, I'm not going over there. That's dangerous. I I recognize that right away. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. So it makes a, it makes a huge difference to to know what matters in your life and be committed to taking care of it. Yeah, and then more do you care for it? The more the more you actually care for it absolutely there's there's great great value in that so uh, when you and i met one of the things that uh, uh appealed to me was the water bottle on your table and uh it it uh you know it said quit jerking off and so now you're part of the quit jerking off initiative i think you're the founder creator um let, let's talk about the ideas that that brought that about
1: so i was on a um Phone call with a friend of mine. Uh, he's a he was selling real estate out in Chicago. Good good guy. In fact, I need to reach out to him. talked to him in a while. And in our conversation, he had said to me that he was just got back from a from awesome event. Really great speakers. And I said, well, tell me who was the best speaker. He paused for a minute. He goes, well, it's got to be this guy that was talking about his business. He took it from you know revenue of right around a quarter million dollars a year of what he was making to now he's making over two million a year. And as he was explaining to people how to do the business, kept going over processes and systems and everything. And the people kept asking, you know, basically you know, what, what was, what was that made him successful? And he was taking it as, you know, what was my process or my system until finally somebody said, dude, tell us what was the catalyst? You know, what was the, where was that? Where, where is the switch? What happened in your life? He goes, well, cause you guys we're all adults. You guys really want to know. And so the you know, crowds yet sure. So he said, "I quit. I quit masturbating." Is what he said. Uh, And they're like, and of course, you know, everybody's got to like gasp a little bit, like, "What? You you did what?" And he said, "He found himself in a situation where the guy was investing hours a day into this because of his addiction to porn." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "What's that's that's insanity? I can't believe that that is the case." And one, kudos to the guy having the balls to be able to say that, right? Uh, but I had to I had to look into this the best I could, and I did some research and I found Chris Rock. You know, on his um, one of his uh, uh, Netflix specials called Tambourine, he admitted to the same thing. You know, he lost his 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 family, right? His his relationship with his wife and you know the kids and all stuff due to addiction to porn. Mm-hmm. And it became and he started describing how 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 uh, how deep this addiction was. Then you do some further research, you know, find that um, some of the, the websites dedicated to pornography are very, very proud about their statistics. Uh, one in particular, which is one of the larger ones, uh, claimed over six billion hours a year is logged on their website. Well, when you look back on that, that's thousands of centuries of time that we waste as a species on something like this. So that's where that came from, because when I'm realizing how much time we as a species waste on something of zero value that I decided that this is, you know, this is something that we need to be able to get behind and start telling everybody, you need to quit this shit. Now, and, and and it's also figurative. It's not just the literal sense. Now, a lot in the literal sense, but a lot of it in the figurative sense too, that don't do anything of zero value. Quit wasting time on those things, especially things that completely rewire your brain. Now, I don't know how how familiar you are with Dr. Joe Dispenza, but if you, if you search for his TEDx Tacoma talk, right? He did a a, uh, talk in uh, Tacoma, Washington. He was a TEDx where he talks about the neurons in the brain and how when you get that new idea, it's one neuron connecting with another neuron. But you have old wiring that will talk you out of what you're doing and you will lose that new connection. Therefore, you'll forget what you were even thinking. But if you foster that new connection, you can literally get that old wiring to go away. The problem when he basically, so he's explaining the physiological effects of thought. Well, now when you got people that are so wrapped up in something that's so detrimental as pornography, where does your thoughts always lead to? You're wiring all this in for hours every day, and now you're completely losing time and energy and and thought process, and it's 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 completely debilitating a person to be from being productive. So that's part of where that came from. The rest is you know trying to take that philosophy and then apply it towards giving people information. To work off of so we get together with people and we haven't done as much as we should have this year because it's just been, me and my partners are scattered all over the place and so we were getting together with people that have a great story we take them rock crawling or shooting or hunting or something of that kind of a nature and after a day of goofing off and get around the campfire and we'd have that conversation with them that talks about what was the worst thing that ever happened in their life that actually made them successful because successful is based upon uh coming back from the beating not necessarily success always going to be just pull, you know, hitting the the, the triple sevens on the uh, on the slot machine every time you walk in the door. It doesn't happen that way, right? Success comes after a beating. It happens that way all the time. I don't. I very rarely, do I talk to anybody whose their success is not founded uh, on a uh, on a basis of an of an in somewhere.
0: <laughs> there's there's a lot of truth to that, right? We. It- the person that hasn't struggled or like the people that talk about being married and not having an argument with their wife. I'm like well, you don't have a very good relationship with your wife. <laughs> right. Because no, I, the I, I
1: going we, through the- and we're ones that don't actually go fight things out, but we definitely disagree. And it's, it's more of a, it's more of a silent situation in our <laughs> world who we disagree
0: uh, Either way, but there's, there's clearly something that, that stimulates growth for one or the other person, right. To That, that you get through that struggle. And on the other side, you have, you have a stronger relationship and better communication or better tools. Um, So that's, that's so important. I I really like, I mean, obviously it's in your character to face stuff head on. And so I, I I like that you not only addressing the pornography um, issue head on, but also just, just the whole, you know, what other bullshit are you doing in your life that that's not adding value? And, and, and let's, let's, dig all that stuff out and let's do something that makes a difference in the world and increase your impact in the world. And so, and I love that you tie it to outdoor stuff. I'm a Colorado guy. So love all those, you know, gun collection in the house and four wheel drives in the garage and, and uh, definitely campfires have been a big part of, of my growth and, and best time to tell stories is, is around the campfire. And so love that you're doing that with men and taking men, and, and really getting them giving them a chance to get to another level right yeah share, share your story and let's let's level up
1: well the right. stuff we're doing is not stuff that's not been done right we're doing shit that everybody used to do for for eons right they in the last couple generations and all of a sudden it's dying out and it's amazing to me how few people i mean i just happened to be where was i at i was took my entire team this last week to uh to vegas and we went out to a place called uh uh, adrenaline mountain where they are shooting guns and blowing stuff up and you know crushing cars with heavy equipment and driving monster trucks and i was amazed at how many how many of them never even picked up a firearm i'm like this was normal life i mean i had one given to me when i was eight years old right i'm shooting everything at eight (laughs)
0: yeah well i think i mean obviously Being from Colorado, both my kids learned about guns early on. And and just because guns are in the house, I said you need to be able to clear it. You need to know it if it needs clearing. You need to be able to to not be afraid of it if you see it and and you find something. And 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 so, you know, training my kids was just part of, you know, my daughter hunted once and decided that wasn't for her. And my son loved hunting, and and so that was something he and I did. And my dad and I love building building trucks and working on cars together. And that's just the way that we we spend our time hanging out is is you know working on a car, but my daughter just came over to the house. She's nine months pregnant and actually her water just broke, so she's not going to be pregnant much longer. But um, she crawled under her car and changed her own oil, and and her husband didn't believe her when she told him, and he he called me to ask, did she change her own oil? I was like, hey, she wanted to change her oil. All I did was provide the garage. Not yeah. not my problem. With, if she wanted help, she'd ask for it. She's she's a, she's an adult and. And But she's, you know, I wasn't, I was raised to to do some of those things independently and wanted to make sure my kids, you know, my kids had that experience of, you know, the values and things you can do without getting stuck on television. And so we've been able to travel and my kids, well, they grew up in South America, first of all, and then they've both been to Africa and and had opportunities that a lot of kids just just wouldn't have.
1: Yeah, which... You know, and again, very, very rare things. Hell, just change your own oil is, is something <laughs> most kids don't have the opportunity or the understanding and how many, it's amazing how many adults don't don't understand that anymore. So.
0: Can't even change. It amazes me the number of cars I see on the side of the road and all they've got is a flat tire. Yeah. Like you, you abandon your car on the side of the road because of a flat tire. Like that's a, that's a 10 minute, 15 minute job. Like. Get her done and get but back to
1: work. That is that's not a that's not a hindrance nor is it a roadblock. It's a it straight up
0: inconvenience. Right, right. Well, and and for me, I was always taught I should be able to change my tire and still make it to the to work on time. So <laughs> my dad always got to work 30 minutes early because he planned to have a flat tire every day. So that's just the work ethic that that he had. A tire wasn't an excuse. And for me, I always learned, you know, not only is a flat tire not an excuse, it's just a thing. It just yeah. happens. So that affected that 10 minutes of time. I'm not going to let a flat tire impact the rest of my day or the rest of my life, which I think a lot of people, are victims, right? They, everything's an excuse for not getting it done.
1: Well, and, they, and when you do have an excuse, it definitely allows a person the opportunity to not be um, accountable for anything. Mm. And when we, when we, fail to account for anything then it's never our fault then we never have to be hard on ourselves you know and part of the things that I believe that we we suffer through is life is a battle and we don't and often we don't have the guts to go in and go into battle because the person we're battling most is ourselves (laughs) and the the, the toughest battle we have is how do you work or how do you overcome somebody that knows all your weaknesses how do you overcome something that's already going to convince you to stay put to convince you that you're not capable of that to convince you to you know go ahead and hit the snooze button and don't get get up and do that you don't need to work out today let's do it tomorrow um you know what it is you can talk yourself into doing and you do it all the time well the thing is we fail at is we don't understand what our capabilities are we don't understand our strengths we don't know what we're really capable of doing because we never test ourselves to that extent so that's where i think that taking the beatings that we do forces us to become so much better when you actually step up and, and move forward because you start to realize a little bit more of your capabilities. Um, and that's one of the reasons I believe that taking an ass open is probably the best thing a person ever can do, because then you at least have a small glimpse of your what you're capable of doing and you can talk yourself out of that that extra donut or whatever later on, because listen, I I, I overcame this. So I can overcome that little kind of thing. Um, and not until you face your own mortality, you have, I, you have that strength to do that. Um, so I think it's 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 important for us to face our own mortality. I've just faced it too damn many times.
0: <laughs> well, and I and I think just you know challenging ourselves with with new experiences, I think that don't, not only does that you know rewire the brain, it gives it gives the brain opportunities to realize, hey, this new thing didn't kill me, right? And so yeah. you know, outdoor adventures and even fun adventures, right? Like four wheeling and hunting and shooting and doing some of those things are you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be a near death experience to, to give your brain the opportunity to realize, Oh, there are some pretty cool things out here and I can experience things and and do things differently. Um, and, and, and yeah, obviously get crawling up from an ass whooping can, can make a huge difference. And I think the perseverance that requires is, I mean, it, it changes a person's character, right? It, it, it helps you realize that, you know what? Cold calling's not going to kill me cuz that that really did almost kill me. Yep. So cold calling just means oh I'm going to be embarrassed or something, right?
1: Well, it, it, exactly. And you learn a little bit more about about yourself in that too. But I think that um that uh something you just said there when it comes to taking that asshole and and moving forward what we realize, what I think we fail to realize, is that the beating's coming whether we like wanted to or not. So I'm one of those types of guys. I get up at four thirty in the morning because I believe that there's this big, ominous foot that's out there trying to kick all our asses all day long. And it gets up at about seven thirty. Right? Ah, so nice. the person who wakes up at 70, 40, 745 to to scream to work by eight a.m. is already getting their ass kicked. Right? They're already taking that beating. But if you're up at 4.30, well in advance of the foot, you can actually get a lot of things done and be so far ahead of it. Now, it doesn't mean it's not going to still catch you. On occasion, we do get caught and we get kicked in the ass, but it propels you forward a little bit. Now, if you bounce and you get back up and keep moving, you'll find that you're a lot further ahead of the foot than you were before. And you're literally ahead of other people. It's when you lay there and lick your wounds that the rest of everybody passes you and you're now behind you got that foot kicking you again you can't just lay there and let and let that beating settle settle into the point where the beating continues it's kind of like watching a toddler running into a, running into a coffee table right they run into a coffee table they just start crying and they literally are bouncing off of everything at that point you've got to pause you got to turn you got to get away from the objects that are going to cause you problems it doesn't happen when you're just sitting there just continually taking a beating all because you won't pause and think and that's that's the life in general for people
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and and that's one of the things we forget is the toddler falls down and gets back up. No matter how many times he falls down, even if somebody's knocking the toddler down, the toddler gets back up. They never quit trying to walk. And and we as adults, you know, we fall down, although they said no, the deal's not gonna go through. My life's over, right? Rather than being the toddler and standing back up and saying, all right, that deal didn't go. I need to make 10 more calls and, and make the next deal go. Or annoy the shit
1: out of him until the deal does go through. How many toddlers are <laughs> really, really good at bugging you, bugging you, bugging you, and bugging you until you give them that damn piece of candy, right?
0: <laughs> My son is
1: great at that. I mean, he gets, <laughs> he gets something in his head. I mean, he's 25 years old and the kid, literally, when I say he's a kid, he's a man now. But he'll ask me something and say, hey, I, I can't t- I can't deal with that right now. I got to deal with that later. So in his mind later is 5 minutes, 5 minutes. Later. <laughs> Dude, but later for me is next week. That's how he thinks. So he does not
0: stop until he gets where he wants to go. I love it. That's that's pretty sweet. All right, one of the things that you're really really big on is is enthusiasm and and building up enthusiasm in men and and so where where did that where does that come from and and how do you, uh, I mean, I, you've got a group of guys, right? Because
1: you're telling me about something I don't consciously work on.
0: <laughs> well, I think I think just part of the the initiative of recreation with intention is based on on enthusiasm and commitment. Um, well, there's
1: enthusiasm and commitment. I guess you could say it's enthusiastic towards something, but it's, and it's a commitment to these things. But it's also, dude, I get to do all the crap I love doing. I get to write off my taxes. Who's not <laughs> enthused about that? <laughs>
0: Well, that's that's definitely something to be enthusiastic
1: about. Hell yeah. I mean, I got equipment, Jeeps, guns, all kinds of stuff that's all centered around this, this, this show, this YouTube show. And is it doing well? Hell no, it's not. It's doing okay. I mean, I got 500 and some followers, big deal, right? You've got, um, I've got a few that have been watched several thousand times, but that's it. For the most part, it's not getting the traction that one would want to justify this, but I get to do really cool crap. I get to justify having a cameraman on site to document all the cool shit that we just did, and get to buy a lot of cool stuff, that, the gear that I'm going to use anyway. So it's awesome.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Obviously, so you've created the initiative because you care about other men. What other ways? Obviously, you've built a big financial business with your, your mortgage. Um, what ways has contribution been a part of your business journey?
1: Well, a couple of things. Right. So one is contributing to the client themselves. It's spending the time, the energy and and really getting deep into where they benefit as a real estate investor um, and not just making it about getting the loan done. It's about making them conscious about where the wealth is created in that and then, uh, and then illuminating that and then providing tools for them to be able to do that and being there to guide them through that to ensure their success. I I, I talked to him a lot about who made the most money during the gold rush, and they come to find out it was the guys who sold the picks and shovels. Right. But the thing about those guys, they gave a damn where they were sinking the the pick and shovel into ground. They didn't care because they just wanted to sell the pick and the shovel. Me, I care heavily about where they put those in the ground because if they don't find gold, they become gardening tools, and nobody becomes wealthy gardening, right? But what you do become wealthy is turning them from only from pick and shovel into more picks, more shovels, personnel, trucks, equipment, and hopefully a freaking train. If they need all that to hold all their gold and they come to me for it, we both become wealthy. So that's the goal that I have for everybody. Secondly, it's, you know, um, you know who Eddie Wilson is. He likes to to call himself a, a cause capitalist. And that hit me pretty hard when he said that, that you can't ever sustain a business or sustain growth unless you have a reason behind it, more so than making money. So not only is it the client, the referral that I'm very, very, very conscious of them and making sure that they're benefiting from doing business with us. I had asked of me one time, you know, Sean Finnegan, he asked me what drives me to keep doing better and better all the time with my business. And I pointed to another guy by the name of Marco Santarelli. He's like, he does. And Marco's like, well, how do I drive you? I said, because I have to be better at what I do because when you or one of your staff recommends me, I better be so damn good at, at what I do that you look better as a result. Hmm. If I'm mediocre or I suck you just became mediocre and you suck i can't allow that i need to make you better because you know me you know so then, then uh, beyond that is we have to have a cause outside of that right and my staff want to make sure that they have jobs and i continue to keep hiring people and training people in this business but then i've latched myself onto operation underground railroad got to know tim ballard and all those people and we have we've a lot of capital that direction um to the extent now that the the money that we we're we're, we're Participating in these things has now brought me to point now that I'm working with Tim directly in a uh, in a um, tour that he's doing with Yunmi Park. I don't know if you're familiar with Yunmi Park, but she's uh, she escaped North Korea, one of the only people ever to escape and talk about it. So she has a book out. She had a podcast with Joe Rogan. Look it up. Y e o n m i yunmi Park. In fact, I'm going to pull up the um, something you guys got to look at here. There's a website endofslaverytour.com. And I'm going to go ahead and share screen this while we're, since I have the capability. Let me see here, Let's see if it's going to allow me to do it. Here we go. Can you see this? Yep, there we are. So go to share uh, endofslaverytour.com. The next one we're going to we just went to Miami last month. Now we're going to be next month. We're going to be in Salt Lake City. So you have both of them talking about Tim, talking about his time with OUR uh, and creating this nonprofit that goes and infiltrates human traffickers, takes down these things internally by bringing local law enforcement. They're not vigilantes. They actually use law enforcement to do the do the work. They just get all the intel. You and me, we just talked about go find her uh, story. Right. Go to the Joe Rogan podcast. Look up Yumi Park, Y-E-O-N-M-I. Um, and then uh, you can actually go here. And to let me see Well, there's our sponsorship right there at the bottom. But you go here buy tickets. Nice. Um, you know, there's gonna be five other other stops on the tour, and uh I, I believe it's gonna be like uh LA, Phoenix. Um we're gonna go to Chicago, and there's a couple more in there, I don't remember all of them, but Yes, uh, it's going to come to a, a city near you. If you're not going to be in Salt Lake City, wait till after the 20th. They're going to release the next next date, I believe, on the 21st of May and uh, try and keep that out there and keep getting that that information. It's the most expensive information ever delivered, in my opinion, because not only did you, me lose, uh, you know lose a lot to get there. She was forced into the slave trade in China and then worked her way back here. Um, but her entire three generations of her family were killed because of what she's doing. And so she's pissed and she's not going to shut up. Yeah, and you have that regime over there trying to shut her up, and it's not happening.
0: Yeah, well, good for her, and good for the people that are that are supporting Underground Railroad and and and, and literally pulling kids right out of you know these situations that they should never ever have been put into. And uh, so- agreed,
1: and it's you know, you know women are four times more likely to be trafficked than kids, you know, and we have a big problem. Forty million people in the world are being trafficked some form or another, whether and it, be it goes- labor, whether it be say se- sex slaves, whether it be organ harvesting. And there's human sacrifice. There's some amazing stuff going on out there. You cannot believe. And I don't, and I've seen the, I've seen a lot of the footage. I've seen a lot of the undercover uh, footage and, and the operations and it's just, it's maddening
0: to think. Absolutely. All right, Aaron, What? obviously you're a mentor now and mentoring others, but what have mentors meant for for your journey and how would you recommend a young entrepreneur find a mentor that would suit them? Good
1: question. Uh, so when it comes to mentors, um, it's amazing how many mentors that I had, but they're all different ones. So it's, you got to find somebody who is actually doing what they say they're going to do and follows through on that, come hell or high water, and that's the person you follow. Um, and also, it—I'm a very, very—I I, want to say a religious person, but I'm not in the sense that I don't believe religion is separate from life. Religion, in my opinion, is—is is truly, if you want to dig into all these books of scripture, it's just a history of us. Right, we have a creator that tells us how to live here and how to operate here successfully, and you either follow or you don't. Um, and the problem with people is they want to make it separate. I want to live this way during the week, and I want to do this on the on whatever my Sabbath day, whether it is a is a Saturday or Sunday, whatever it is you choose to believe. Why is it different one day to the next? It shouldn't be.
0: Amen. The person
1: you see sitting here in front of you talking to you talks the exact same way on Sunday as I do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I don't give a damn when it is. Amen. Um, and I don't care if I'm standing in a church and in, in front of people. They're going to get the exact same unfiltered Aaron Chapman all the time. Because, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that I'm going to I'm going to at least have the integrity to to say how I, to speak how I'm going to speak and act how I'm going to act regardless. And if I stand before God someday and say, you were wrong, then I'm wrong. <laughs> but I also know he said, be you hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He has absolutely no love for the people that try to straddle stuff. Pick a side. Amen.
0: And and, you know, well, and and it goes back to some of the other things we've talked about, right? Your authenticity, your 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 decision, and really, it was a decision, your decision to to be my to be yourself and not get caught up in the expectations of wearing the suit. Um, I think you know your your commitment to to the quit jerking off idea is is the same decision, right? It's I'm not going to waste my life because I was created for greatness and I was created to represent what God created me for, and that. That's seven days a week. That's not one day a week. Um, And so I love that. I think obviously God doesn't want us to be a different man outside of the church as inside the church or a different man in our marriage and inside our house than in our company and outside our house. Um, exactly, and it doesn't yeah. mean we're not going to screw it up. We're not going to fall on <laughs> our face. We're not going to take a header in
1: the concrete But get your ass back up and try and get back on track. That's all I can say. Yeah, absolutely. You're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect. There's One perfect being that's ever stepped on this planet, and that person's not here with us at the moment. So just do your damnedest.
0: Right. Well, he he's left us two simple rules. They they weren't too complicated, but we sure we sure twist them up into lots of other stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. He definitely is. You know, love God and love your neighbor. But man, we put too many we put too many strings on that that we shouldn't be. Yep. And the problem is with loving your neighbor, is you have to love he said the other part of that is you have to love yourself as you live. But the problem is nobody loves themselves anymore.
0: Oh uh, so we have badly. a very,
1: very hard, we have a difficulty that's become increasingly difficult with, with social media and the fact that everybody's faking who they are. So you're trying to live up to something that doesn't exist. And then you got people that are questioning their own their everything about themselves. It's it's a it's an interesting world we live in. I mean, Satan is running rampant, he's whooping ass. Um, but yeah, uh, if you ever read uh, Napoleon Hill's works, uh, Outwitting the Devil, he only has he only ha- he has a he, there's two percent of us he doesn't got right. Ninety eight percent of the people he's he's pushing around and making them drift and do stupid shit, and we see it. I mean, they're posting it right. They're literally, you know, they're screaming their their sins from the rooftops, and they can making it benevolent. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's interesting time we live in, brother. I just tell people suck it up and you know get your blue pills and your helmet because the screwing's coming. Just get
0: ready. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. What uh, I know, you got four kids. You've been married twenty four years. What uh, either favorite date or favorite thing you guys have done as a family?
1: Well, we hit 25, 24 years, I think. So twenty four years. Uh, favorite thing to do as a family? Um, well, it used to be we'd you know, go out camping and stuff together, but but now we have uh, um, you know in laws, and it's difficult to get everybody together. They all have jobs and. And uh, getting ready to have my first grandkid here in a few months. It's um, you know this, just the favorite times is really just the quiet times with them. Um, yeah, there was a there was a window time there that I was able to take a member one of my kids you know, a week to breakfast, and it kind of died off. And that's my fault. I need to get better at that. and Go back to that. Did it for months. And it was before my, my third, do- uh, my third kid, my second daughter got married and moved away. So I was trying to take that time at least once a week to have breakfast with one of them. Um, I need to get back to that and ensure that we have breakfast together and keep building that up. Love that idea. I love that. There's my buddy's place up in Scottsdale called Schmooze. He used to be the, the, the personal chef for King Hussein of Jordan before he passed. The guy's an amazing man. Amazing place. Just a good place to hang out with my kids.
0: Love it. That's pretty awesome. All right, man. What's uh, what's the big dream?
1: Hell, I don't know man. When I go to the grave, I'm coming in hot. So there's really no uh, there's no there's no end that I'm looking for. Um, business-wise, I'm shooting for 5,000 transactions a year just because I have so that that's that more people I get to influence and have have time with and be able to build up more business with. But really the big dream is to be able to stand in front of God someday and say, "Yeah, I I, I did my best. Well that's done." It. That's it. Just be able to get get that that him be able to say well done. And then um, if I if and, and that's the only goal I have outside of that, this this world doesn't mean anything to me other than the relationships. I think we take two things with us, relationships and experience. And as long as both of those are good and I can stand before my maker and, and report on those, and I've got people around me to, to at least testify in my behalf um, rather than against me, then I think that uh, it was all worth it.
0: Absolutely. Aaron. You spent the hour with an entrepreneur. Now you've uh, had a chance to, to share some coffee, share some wisdom, but you want to leave them with Aaron's words of wisdom. What would you share?
1: Quit jerking off people. Find something where there's some value that you need to add, not just to, to the world, but to yourself. Okay. And, just start, and just start doing the daily disciplines to take that on. Just one moment at a time. Quit trying to make this big goal you have in, for, in front of you. I understand we got to have something, right? You got to have that big goal, but you need to just get to work. Um, you do have the capability and I, I would say that you need to spend some time with God and get and, and discuss those mountains. You got to move, but don't get pissed off when he just hands you a shovel. Get out there. And get a
0: boy. <laughs> Amen. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate you. What a great conversation. I learned so much. I'm inspired and I just look forward to collaborating.
1: Thanks for the time, buddy. I appreciate you, man.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please like subscribe or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Scott Smith and I have a wonderful conversation about the power of media and marketing to propel your message. Scott goes live on multiple platforms to promote his message and continues to use podcasts and livecasts to help others grow. He is an expert in creating authority and community.